Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the LA Football Podcast. Los Angeles, what's happening? Happy Monday. Welcome to the LA Football Show Chargers edition for you after a tough loss to the Seahawks. We'll try to bring some positive back in your day, but obviously we got to get it all into it as it was a tough loss to the Seattle Seahawks. But this is the LA Football Show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ryan Dyrud, joined as always by the madman Jamal Madney. My brother, how we doing? Tough weekend for LA football, but the show goes on. The positivity train continues. How you doing? The show goes on, Ryder or die. It's uh, you know a little bit rough with with the two buys and then going zero and two. I think this might be the first weekend of the season where none of our LA teams won and where we went under five hundred collectively as a, a group, as a quartet, as a group of four. So you know, still struggling from that a little bit, but excited to to talk about it more and. You know, you live to fight another day and you live to fight another week. So excited about looking at the more rosy, positive outlook and looking at the glass half full. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, we never had more than one team lose on a weekend. Um, And so, yeah, tough, tough weekend for LA football, but we will get all into it. Show brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Head to BetOnline.ag today. Football's coming up this weekend, but we got basketball back, hockey's back, baseball's got the World Series starting, so you can use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, get a 50% welcome bonus on your first time deposit, hopefully win some money, have some fun, bet on some sports, betonline.ag, where the game starts. So, this Chargers team falls to the Seahawks, 37-23, to 23 with it was a garbage time touchdown for the Chargers, so that score was even worse, 37-16. Pretty much a blowout. It was close for most of the game. They dropped to a 14-0 deficit or 17-0 deficit. Came roaring back 17-14 to make it interesting. And it kind of had the feeling of that Browns game where it's like, okay, they're getting back into it. Offense is kind of getting things going. Um, You know, we'll get into a bunch of different stuff. But your initial thoughts, you can keep it brief because we'll kind of get into Herbert. We'll get into coaching decisions. We'll get into injuries, obviously, which reared their ugly head yet again. But overall thoughts on this Chargers team after this tough loss to Seattle? Ryan, obviously we'll, we'll get into it in a lot of details. I have three initial thoughts. One is when it rains, it pours from an injury perspective. And it just, you know, it's not just the sheer quantity of injuries, but also who is getting injured and the severity of these injuries. And we can't objectively have an analysis about the Chargers without at least acknowledging the injuries. And I know that's a hard part of the game and it's hard to do, but I I look forward to sort of discussing that a little bit more. The second for me is the slow starts. Mm -hmm. This is now three weeks in a row over the last three weeks, the last three games, Ryan charges have been outscored 41 to three in the first quarter. So regardless of who you are playing, that's just a recipe for disaster to be down 14 points, 17 points, right out of the gate, first 10, 12 minutes out of the gate. That's going to ultimately bite you eventually over the course of a larger sample size. So what the Chargers need to do moving forward to to alleviate that and help get off to quicker starts, I think will be an interesting storyline moving forward. And then third, 
I think just the theme of this team is inconsistency. You just don't know what you're getting week over week. Some weeks, the passing game looks great. Other weeks, Herbert's accuracy looks awful. Some weeks, the running game looks like it's really going to be an anchor of this team. Other weeks, the running game completely disappears. Some weeks, the pass defense looks strong. Other weeks, they don't look like they can stop any quarterback in the league. Sometimes the, the, def- the front seven looks like they're formidable and menacing. Other times it looks like they are soft in, in the midsection. And so, you know, week over week, it just you just don't know who these Chargers are seven weeks into the season. And the only thing I can sort of equate with this team right now thematically is inconsistency. They're consistently inconsistent and starting to look a lot more like the 2020 2021 version of the Chargers than the 2022 version that we had hoped they would be. Yeah. One thing I want to get into Herbert here in a second, but one thought, and I haven't given it a lot of thoughts. So I want to get your thoughts on this thought, but I, I love, I like this coaching staff, so I still believe in them, but the concerning thing about it and, and I'm not as far as many people think uh, or many people on you know Twitter write about this coaching staff and firing and whatnot. But, but one thing that I'm starting to kind of notice is this team seems, I, I understand how they prepare. I understand their practice methodology. I understand kind of what each positional group does. And I think they prepare well in terms of preparing as the chargers. They've figured out what kind of how they want to prepare but it seems like they don't prepare well for the team they are playing and they haven't adjusted that preparation pre game starting. And that's why we're seeing these slow starts, these poor starts. We're seeing, like you said, one week, the running game looks great. One week looks terrible. One week, the passing game looks great. One week looks terrible. It's like, they're not realizing, okay, this team's good at this thing. Let's prepare to attack that thing. This team's good at this thing. Let's prepare to attack that thing. It's more like we are this, let's just prepare like this and they're not doing different branches, and then they kind of make those adjustments mid-game, and then we see improvement, but it's too late at that point, or then they have one too many mistakes, and they can't claw their way out of it. So I could be off base here. There's just something that's kind of coming to mind, but it seems like that's starting to be kind of be a trend, unfortunately. Yeah, Ryan, I think it's a good point where it's a great observation, and one that I think no one is really talking about is – you have to look outside and say, what is your game plan for this team? And it, it's that sort of old college principle as well with college coaches. Are you designing your game plan to your personnel or are you making your personnel adjust to your game plan? And usually the latter is a recipe for disaster. And it just seems like the Chargers are operating in this silo where it doesn't matter if we're playing the number one pass offense or the number one rush defense, we're going to do what we're going to do, and we're going to sort of prepare along all lines. And I think the second dimension there, Ryan, is preparing relative to the health that you also have. And Mm -hmm. where I focus on that is Justin Herbert. Herbert clearly looks to me like he is compromising his mechanics to deal with managing the pain of his ribs. And where I see that in a couple of different areas is one, his 15 to 20 yard accuracy has really gone south the last couple of weeks. A lot of balls in the dirt, 
lot of balls in the air, a lot of really uncatchable balls. Second is, and I don't know if you've noticed this, an inordinate number of batted balls at the line of scrimmage from the defensive line. And when you sort of look at it, he's not, he's, he's a tall kid, but his mechanics, you can tell he's kind of going three quarters. He's doing certain things where it doesn't feel like he's completely putting everything into his throws. And then I think the third piece of that also is just the excessive number of hits he's taking on some of these naked bootlegs and, you know, some plays where he's really exposed in the pocket. So I think those are three areas where if I was the coaching staff, I would say, well, we're clearly dealing with a guy who's 70%, 75% physically, 80% pick your number. Let's try and adjust the playbook, not necessarily in terms of a variety or getting other playmakers involved, but how do we protect our franchise a little bit more? Because now, again, it's not week over week narratives, but we're seeing this now over three or four weeks on tape where these patterns are starting to emerge. It's such an interesting point to get into because first off, and this doesn't mean he's not injured, but he actually came off the injury report this week. So that eludes you to believe that the ribs are hundred percent. Again, he's good. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it could be, he's saying that, or, or there's nothing showing any rib cartilage damage anymore, whatever that means. Like I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be uh, a medical doctor or anything like that, but he wasn't on the injury report. So based on that, he should be hundred percent. Second point is, and this, I'm not pointing against you, but I'm just adding on to that. Second point is after the Jacksonville game, Joe Lombardi came out and said, look, I was calling the game because I was not, didn't want to push Herbert knowing he was injured, but that's, we can't do that. If he's out there playing, we have to call the game. Like he's hundred percent, even if he's not, now I'm not saying that's right, but that's what he said. So now you look at it now and it's like, okay, do they still need to scale back a little bit? Or if Herbert is in the game with the assumption that he is not on the injury report, so he is hundred percent healthy. I look at it as that's your star player that needs to make some plays. And he, the last three weeks flat out has not played very well. And for some reason, and I love Justin Herbert. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the NFL, but the one, yeah, just one of the best quarterbacks in LA, all of that. But for some reason, this fan base never wants to put any blame or not even the fan base, the media in general, Herbert can do no wrong. It's all the coaching staff fault. It's everyone around him. Yada, yada, yada. Now, of course there are other other factors, 1000%, the injuries, who he's throwing to. I mean, at some point in the game yesterday, he was throwing to literally all practice squad players. And so that's a definite factor as well when you don't have any star talent at the wide receiver position. But the interception into triple coverage that was, even if it wasn't triple coverage, it was four yards behind DeAndre Carter. He wasn't catching that ball anyway. That's a poor decision. The missed out routes to Michael Bandy, like you alluded to, the 15 to 20 yard passes that he's just not hitting that aren't necessarily easy throws, but are stuff of his talent level. If you're going to put your reliance in him, those are ones you need to make. The op, the, overall amount of check down passes. And again, maybe that's getting not the trigger happy from the early interception, but there's a lot of times where he may have had some stuff open up downfield, checks it down. They end up going three and out. They don't get the yardage. Everyone wants to blame uh, Lombardi and the play calling, but if you're going to check it down every time, that's, you know, what can you do? So there's so many things at, at factor and at play. That's really hard to know exactly what's going on. And I don't, I'm not trying to pour it on him because I love the kid and he's got, he's got so much talent. But if we're all going to reign this kid as a top three quarterback in the NFL, if you have three bad weeks, some of that's going to fall on you of like, it's time for you to step up, put out, 
And obviously there's other things we'll get into of those factors. But to me, one of the biggest one is Justin Herbert just got to play a little better. No, Ryan, I think that's spot on. And, you know, again, let's let's caveat this where for me, you said top three, I got him top four. There's only three guys right now that I would put ahead of Justin Herbert in the NFL today. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow. If I had the opportunity to get those three guys, I would. And then it's Justin Herbert in terms of the entire NFL, the entire world in terms of quarterbacking a team to play professional football. So we both think the world of, of Justin Herbert. And that's why we believe that over the next 10, 12 years of his career with the Chargers, Chargers are going to be have the ability to be very special and potentially even be L.A.'s team because of Justin Herbert. Now, having said that, that comes with certain expectations and. You alluded to a couple of plays there, Ryan. There were others where he missed Everett. He thought Everett was going out and on that in cut, and that was just a dropped interception. Chargers got bailed out on that final touchdown where there was a very questionable offsides on uh, Nuosu uh, of the Seahawks on that play. That was tipped and picked by Kobe Bryant. Herbert was lucky he didn't have a four-pick game yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's just no doubt about it. And so – I think he's looking very tentative. It's been sort of an excessive number of looks and throws to Everett underneath, to Eckler underneath, you know. And so, you know, the verticality, especially with the guy who arguably has the best arm in the NFL, it's so interesting to see a guy with that talent that maybe one or two or three other people have in the entire world is so hesitant to go check down. And so, there's some disconnect taking place here. He's either wanting to get the ball out quickly because his ribs really hurt. He either hasn't really developed the rapport with the, you know, sort of the musical chairs of receivers that's taking place, or he's just getting in his own head right now. And there's a little bit of a sophomore slump, a little bit of a junior slump um, in terms of how teams are playing him a little bit. It's probably a combination of all three right now. But I think this buy is a great opportunity for him to reset. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I will defend him on that we've talked about before. And again, I don't think this is all on Joe Lombardi, but one part that is on Joe Lombardi is you have your quarterback throw the ball 51 times. You run the ball 12 times. I don't care. I get you're down 17, nothing. Guess what? That was a 17, 14 game. So then the running game's right back on the table. And the worst part about it. And so here I will be very critical of Joe Lombardi is the fact that after this game, so after those 12 rushes, Seattle is still the 28th ranked rushing defense. So they were probably 30th going into this game because they only gave up 50 yards in this game rushing. And you run the ball 12 times with your running backs. Herbert had threes. They had 15 total rushes. That is where that's a big problem. And if Herbert is not playing to his ability, which he hasn't been, you don't just throw it 20 more times, hoping it gets corrected. Like let's run the ball more. You have Austin Eckler. I know Joshua Kelly got hurt, but you have Isaiah Spiller for the first time up. He only had one carry negative five yards. That's a bummer debut for him, but you went and signed Sony Michelle. So if you believe in these backs, which I think they do. I mean, I think they believe in Austin Eckler, but you got to give them some more carries than what they got. I mean, nine carries for Austin Eckler after the, the weeks he's had the last two weeks where he's basically won those games on his back against the Browns and against the Texans because of how well he was running the football. 
and then you go up against a bottom four rush defense and run it 12 times, nine times with your star back, and your quarterback is struggling with a pick, with a fumble. Uh, I know it was a good pass rush with the fumble there. So that is where I'll defend Herbert on that side of it. Now, he still has to play a lot better and do things. But, man, and that goes to your point in the very beginning about the identity of this team and who they really are. Two weeks of phenomenal running. I thought overall good play calling. I know I skipped the Broncos game in there, um, going to Houston and, and Cleveland. But those two weeks, and then now to go to this one and just not run the ball at all. Yeah, I don't Ryan, get it. doesn't make any sense. And I know so much of the conversation is around we got to give Herbert better receivers, better weapons. And I, I, I push back on that. I disagree with that because obviously Mike Williams got hurt. And he's, he's, I would, by the looks of what I saw, I'm not a doctor, but I've twisted my ankle before. I'm certainly not the athlete that Mike Williams is, never will be, um, never capable of that. But that looks like a four week injury to me, just, just the way he rolled that ankle. That's, that's, it feels about four weeks. And so, but he got hurt late in that game. And so you still had Mike Williams. You still have a great weapon in Gerald Everett. You still have a couple of other players that you can get the ball to. But this is about, a commitment to running the, the football and you've got a great back in Eckler. You've got Sony Michelle, you've got a live wire and spiller. Why aren't you creating some more balance, especially if your quarterback a is in a bit of a funk B he is hurt a little bit and C you can see his confidence is eroding a bit as well and give him some juice and some life back into his play. So that's on Joe Lombardi. There's just no doubt about it. And he yeah. needs to invoke better balance moving forward. And I think the one other piece, Ryan, I will say, and I've been holding back on this assessment because he's still so young, but I don't want Justin Herbert to become this generation's Aaron Rodgers, where, mm -hmm. you know, this incredible arm talent, this incredible ability, but lacks a little bit in the leadership quality. And I think that, I need to see Herbert make that next step. And we've talked about it the last couple of weeks from a leadership standpoint. And that's something that's going to take some time. He's going to need to grow into it over the next several months, over the next several years. But the one thing I didn't like, Ryan, and it's a little nitpicky, when J.C. Jackson blew out his patella and was on the field and everyone sort of rushed over there and one knee down and were very concerned, Herbert was kind of chilling on the sideline, warming up and all of those things. I didn't like that. If you're the, if you're the leader of the team, you got to be there because folks look at that. The locker room looks at that. That's an opportunity for you to go out there, be empathetic for your fallen teammate, rally your teammates a little bit. And he kind of just stayed on the sideline and was warming up. And regardless of when he is at an A-plus level or a B-minus level, the thing that he needs to sort of make that next jump to be Mahomes, to be Josh Allen, to be Joe Burrow is I need to see a little bit more in the leadership department. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely the growth that we can see the maturation and, and just cause I, we've talked about this before. So just to explain that further for fans is I don't think you're at all saying his personality is that of Aaron Rodgers as alienated. No, no, no. But I agree with you. It's just that he doesn't have the exact fiery, passionate leadership qualities that we see from the greats, that we see from the guys that win Super Bowls on Super Bowls and, and really have that empowered ability to, you know, be the Joe Montana in the huddle and, and calm your guys down. And, and he has that calming effect, I think. But I think it's seeing that next step is what you're saying. 
Absolutely. And, no, it's, it's certainly not. I mean, he's a delightful young man and certainly not saying that, but the knock on Rogers has been Rogers cares about Rogers and he doesn't care enough about his teammates. And that reveals itself in the playoffs in difficult situations. And that's why a man of his talent, arguably the most talented player to ever play quarterback only has one Super Bowl ring. I believe physically Justin Herbert has all of the tools that Aaron Rodgers has. And so we're expecting this kid to have multiple Super Bowl rings over the course of his career, but he needs to be Montana. He needs to be Brady. He needs to be Burrow. He needs to be those guys that bring his guys together and not be such an introvert in terms of just thinking, hey, as long as I do my job, we should be fine. Think a little bit more holistically moving forward. He's still so young, 24, 25. He'll get there. But I think that's sort of that final step for him to be a perennial league MVP. Yeah. I want to double click on the the receivers a little bit here um, because I agree with everything you said back when we were talking about that a little bit. And, and, but when you look and I think this is, and this is just kind of not even play as devil's advocate, but looking kind of where the fan base, cause I know a lot of fan base, like we got to, we got to trade for someone we need, we need a receiver. You know, you lose Keenan Allen for basically he's been out the entire year. You lose Jalen Guyton early on for the entire season. Mike Williams has been there one guy, but now he's a little banged up. Obviously Josh Palmer missed last week. Uh, he's banged up. He was their wide receiver three, essentially, or four going into the year. Um, and so you look at those three quarterbacks that you have ahead of him, the Josh Allens that have the Stefan Diggs and the talent they have at receiver. You have Patrick Mahomes. So I know he lost Tyree kill, but you still have a talented, uh, receiving core with MBS, with McCole Hardman, with obviously Travis Kelsey, who's tight end, but he's better than all of them. And then you look at, um, uh, uh, Joe Burrow with, uh, Chase and Taj Boyd and, and T Higgins. So I understand the thought that based on the injuries, it is unfair of who her Herbert is throwing to. And so the question I will ask you and everyone else, well, two questions. First, who is the charger that needs to return the fastest? Does it need to be one of these receivers so that we can now, because when healthy, when healthy, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton are a very good receiving core. I mean, we can't go from, and I'm not saying we are doing this, but a lot of the fan base arguing this is a top three receiving room in football. And all of a sudden now they're a bunch of scrubs. Injuries have decimated them, but when healthy, it's a good unit. They built a good unit out there. So who needs to come back fastest? Is it of healthy Keenan Allen? Is it Mike Williams in three to four weeks? Or is it one of the defensive guys, Joey Bose or someone else that is still missing? So that's first question. Text Bolts, B-O-L-T-S, to 31032. Let us know. So you can answer that first, Jamal. And then your second question, my second question for you, and people you can text us in as well, text Bolts to 31032. Should the Chargers go after someone else, albeit a free agent or a trade, which they rarely do midseason? But if this team truly believes they can compete for a Super Bowl with, I still think they do, even with the injuries, should they go after someone? Or do you think it's just buy their time for their guys to get back? Yeah, Ryan, I think that the the individual that needs to come back the quickest to 100% is Keenan Allen. And I think for me, it's if, if Keenan Allen's ready to go after the bye, then obviously that offsets the loss of Mike Williams and, and some of these other guys can kind of come back into their natural spots. But for me, I think it's a little bit of a trick question, too, in that A, it's 1A is Keenan Allen, but 1B is Justin Herbert. I, 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 I think he needs to sort of 
get to a place where he feels 100% healthy um, with, with those ribs or as far as healthy as he can be for the remainder of this season moving forward. Ryan, when healthy, this receiving core, you talked about you know the, the three ahead and Allen and Mahomes and Burrow. I don't know if any of those three guys has a better duo at receiver than Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So when healthy, you could make the argument, especially when you look at a Gerald Everett, you look at an Austin Eckler out of the backfield and some of the depth that they have. Or Justin Herbert has just as good of weapons around him as those other three guys, if not better. So to me, I don't think structurally they need to make any sort of personnel changes. I think that would be a complete panic move. I think the whole situation right now is can we just buy two weeks after the buy where then we'll finally have both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams healthy and on the field at the same time. And when you have that, you don't really need anything else. You should be in a good spot moving forward at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think if um, I definitely would not be opposed to hitting free agency, any free agents yeah. out there. And I would, I would need to do some research and maybe we'll get an article out on that of some potential wide receiver targets that they could bring in. Cause if, Keenan Allen should absolutely be a go after buy. I mean, he played obviously against Seattle. He didn't play really much in the second half, but he gave it a go, said it wasn't really, it didn't get any worse. It just maybe didn't feel as comfortable. So another week off, I think he'll be good to go. But Mike Williams, like you said, uh, it's a high ankle sprain. It's going to be, he's going to miss more than a week. He's definitely going to miss a game at least, uh, probably more though. And a guy that we love Mike Williams. So this is going to sound like a shot kind of is, but a guy that already isn't a great route runner. When you have a high ankle sprain, he just becomes even a worse route runner and the elusiveness of trying to make guys miss is not going to be there at all. You're looking at a guy that's just going to trot down the field and hope he jumps up and gets it. So you need his ankle to get back to hundred percent very quickly. So I agree with you. Definitely would not waste any trade capital on it at this point. Um, and a part of that too is because of how injured they are. Are you really going to get that much value giving away draft assets if you're not even that healthy on the other positions that you need? Like, is that one player you trade for going to be the guy that makes a difference? Now, what I'll say, Jamal, without getting into that list, like I said, based on this roster construction and based on a guy that lives here in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and based on that November is a week away, this team absolutely should be calling Odell Beckham Jr. on the phone. Odell has said many times, he would love to come back to the Rams. He hasn't necessarily mentioned the Chargers, but the team is in Los Angeles. His home is in Los Angeles. His kid is in Los Angeles. They play in the same stadium. The locker room would be just across the building, and he would absolutely be a fit for this team that if you get Keenan Allen back 100%, and OBJ may be ready to go before Mike Williams, but let's say they both get back at the same time healthy, and now you have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Odo Beckham Jr., Josh Palmer can be his wide receiver four, which is probably a better fit from him, whereas he was playing wide receiver two for most of these weeks. And then you have the DeAndre Carters and the others that fill in, plus obviously the Gerald Everett and the tight ends. Now, there are zero excuses for not only Justin Herbert, but for Joe Lombardi and the offensive staff. Because if you have that juggernaut of talent at the skill positions and you have an offensive line that lost maybe the best left tackle in the AFC and yet a rookie is playing at a Pro Bowl level anyway... Excuses are gone then, but I do think they just need to be making phone calls. I would love to see that, and I think it'd be a great fit that would get this team back to that premier Super Bowl contender. Oh, I completely agree, Ryan, and I, 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 you're spot on. I wouldn't waste the draft capital, but I would be looking in free agency who, where I can upgrade 
because you still need that gap period. The sad part here, Ryan, is the Chargers really kind of blew an opportunity here to create a little bit of margin for themselves. Over the course of seven games, you could argue they've had the softest schedule in the NFL when five of those seven games have been under 500 teams and the vast majority of those teams right now are sitting at two and five. They've played some of the worst teams in the NFL these first seven weeks. And here we are four and three where there's an argument, a play here, a play there. They might even be three and four or two and five themselves. And so that's where this microscope becomes a bigger issue. If they were sitting at six and one, which is probably where they should be at given this schedule and given our expectations, you can survive a couple of weeks even with that receiving core. But I completely agree with you. I think looking, there's a couple ways to mitigate your personnel at wide receiver. One is the play calling, like we talked about, to run the ball a little bit more and take some pressure off. And then the second is in looking out for personnel via free agency. OBJ would be absolutely phenomenal and a great fit. And I think, Ryan, truth be told, the Chargers make more sense for him than the Rams. So much of the conversation is that, oh, would the Rams want OBJ or would this team want OBJ? Of course they would. But would OBJ want to go there right now? And if you look at the Rams' playoff chances versus the Chargers' playoff chances, even the way kind of things stack up, OBJ is not just going to come back in the middle of middle to end of November to play five games and then go in the offseason again. He wants sort of some assurances that this is going to be a contending team that's going to play multiple games in the playoffs. And that's why the Chiefs come to mind. That's why the Bills come to mind. And that's why the Chargers should come to mind because he can be that missing piece to really get the Chargers right back there of the way we think about the Chiefs and the way we think about the Bills. At the start of the season, we thought about the Chargers that same way. We don't think about them now after seeing a sample set of seven games. OBJ can get them there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see um, if they may, if they haven't already. I haven't seen any reports, and again, the, a lot of the reports anyway of where he's had conversations are are a lot of speculation. I know that the Rams have chatted a little bit with him, but it would definitely be uh, a fit and would be a lot of fun. And I think is something that you know not only Chargers fans want, but it makes a lot of sense, like you said. So. We'll see what happens with that and obviously keep everyone posted. And and I know keeping him in LA for us would be great, whether it's Rams or the Chargers. And uh, But I think there's a definite possibility there. But like you said, got to get the running game going. Even with OBJ, if you're throwing the ball 51 times, you're still not winning football games. So I don't care what anyone thinks out there. Um, you have to, have to, have to be able to run the ball or at least commit to running the ball. 12 times is not going to cut it. Last question from me, and then if you have any others, and this isn't necessarily even Chargers related, but is this Seahawks team actually a good football team? Like I don't, I can't peg the Seahawks team either because they have some good wins. They have some bad losses, but they're sitting at four and three. They have a great running game with Kenneth Walker. Now rookie out of Michigan state, Geno Smith is playing really well. I mean, Geno Smith right now is a pro bowler in the NFC. That's how bad the NFC quarterback plays, but also how well he has played. So is this Seahawks team like a good football team? Like this is still a bad loss for the Chargers. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not getting away from that, but maybe the Seahawks are actually pretty decent. Ryan, who would have thought this is why the NFL is so special because it's so predictably unpredictable. Who would have thought at the start of the season that we would legitimately be saying, you know, seven games in uh, eight weeks in that Geno Smith is the best quarterback in the NFC West. I mean, who would have thought that 
at the start of the year and 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 looking at them as a as a legitimate him as a legitimate Pro Bowl team and them as a legitimate you know division champion after getting rid of Russ and looked like they were in full on rebuild mode. The things I like about the Seahawks, Ryan, is Kenneth Walker is special. And yeah. we did a lot on Kenneth Walker on this network and draft is in session. And he is as good, if not better, than what we thought and, and what was advertised. His balance is special. His acceleration is special. His feel and vision for finding the right holes is absolutely special. They have a winner there. And the ability to run the ball is phenomenal. And they have a great defensive line. And, you know, they have sort of some some nastiness to their front seven. And those two things are going to keep you in the vast majority of games. And I think Geno Smith, as long as he stays within himself, there was a great shot, you know, uh, yesterday, Ryan, of Geno Smith getting into it with the officials a little bit on a questionable call there in the third quarter. And Pete Carroll turns to him and says, Gino, and then he just kind of does this and says, you know, just just stay calm and be centered. And you saw Gino make a couple of great dimes after that and led the, the Seahawks to a, a field goal drive there. So I think if Gino Smith stays within himself, you look at the state of the NFC West right now, the, char- the, the Seahawks are going to be there at the end, potentially, uh, with an opportunity to steal a playoff spot. So we talked a little bit about when, the Chargers lost to the Jaguars. The Jaguars could be a good football team. They've kind of gone south since that game. But I think the Chargers, uh, the the Seahawks, excuse me, I think are here to stay for the next couple of weeks until the Rams and the Niners can figure it out, if they can figure it out. So yeah. I think when we look back on this, it's not going to be as bad a loss as we think. Still should have won the game, but it's not as catastrophic as we think. Yeah, it's, you know, they're sitting first. It's one of those... And, you know, fan, fans are going to be fans as they should. It's it's supposed to be fun. But I remember that week one game when when the Seahawks beat the Broncos by two. And obviously the Broncos look terrible, so I'm not saying that. But everyone was like, wow, what a horrible, horrible loss to this rebuilding Seahawks team. And now seven weeks, six weeks later, we're like, the Seahawks team might actually be pretty damn good. Like They, yeah, they look pretty yeah. special. And and I think, again, this isn't a to talk about the Seahawks, but the last thing I'll say is this team with, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Schneider's the GM, right? Am I saying that? Uh, yeah. Um, and, um, Pete Carroll and whatnot has not drafted very well when Russell Wilson was there. They had really poor drafts for whatever reason. And he was always, Schneider was always seen as this really good GM. And in reality, he got lucky with Russell Wilson and then they kind of swung and missed on a lot. They had the Legion of Boom and after that hadn't done a ton in the draft, but this draft class so far have knocked it out of the park. I remember when they took Kenneth Walker, we did, we were doing our live show in Vegas and I, I hated the pick because at the time they still had Chris Carson. They had Rashad Penny and I loved Kenneth Walker, but I was like, man, as a fit, that's just a terrible fit because now you're RB three going into it. Well, now guess what? Chris Carson retires. Rashad Penny gets hurt, which is a bummer because he was having a good season. And you know, Kenneth Walker looks as good as we all thought he would be. They get Cross in the first round. He's been great in the offensive line. They draft Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. He's looked fantastic in the secondary. So they drafted well. They committed to their personnel. And obviously, Pete Carroll's a very good coach. So they've done some good things. And um, still a bad loss because of how the Chargers lost. But I think definitely they're at this point, the Seahawks are a pretty good football team, it seems. No doubt, Ryan. And uh, they're getting compared to that 2012 draft class that they had that included Russ and some of the great defensive players that was was part of the LOB era 
And I think this is an opportunity for Schneider to sort of resurrect his reputation as an evaluator of talent. But I agree with you. I think the the loss was to a decent team, but now this is two really blowout home losses. And if you are an elite team and a team that is wants to go somewhere in the playoffs, that just can't happen. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to the soul searching that takes place over the course of this bye with the Chargers, looking at play calling, looking at personnel, looking at scheme, and also just looking at mentality and attitude. Um, and excited to see what this Chargers team puts on the field against the Falcons after the bye. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, bye could not have come at a better time. So let us all know what you think. What Charger or who is the Charger that needs to return the fastest? Or is there a free agent out there the Chargers should go after or trade for during the bye? Let us know. Text BOLTS to 31032 and let us know. So for Jamal Madney, I am Ryan Dyrud. Thank you all for tuning in. This is the LA Football Show Chargers edition. We'll be back later in the week. Enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.